this is Melissa sure. Hale Spencer, the editor of the Altamont Enterprise, and I have on the line this morning an author who has written an exceptional book. Her name is Abby Maslin, and the book is Love You Hard, put out by Dutton, and she is in an hour heading out on a book tour. So thank you for making the time to talk to us, Abby. I would like to start by asking you about your first sentence. There's so many first sentences in literature that stay with us. Oh, je dois maman et more. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. And you have this simple sentence that I really love. It began with a T-shirt. Why did you start there? This has been an experience. So I'll start with that sentence. It began with a T-shirt. Um the first thing I noticed about my husband was, of all things, just his blue T-shirt. And, I, you know, for something as simple as just, you know, a $7 Hanes T-shirt, what it spoke to me um, with was this idea that I had encountered a person who didn't care about what others thought. Um, we were 22. We were in that age of being self-conscious and very kind of obsessed with um, the opposite sex's opinion of us. And he walked in just completely unassuming. And I knew right away he was somebody that I wanted to talk to, just the comfort that he, he seemed to have with himself. And that's great because the book starts, you know, from the opening page, it's a love story. Here you are in this tiki bar describing this unbelievable man. And that love changes through the book and goes through the kinds of transformations that few of us ever have to face. And I wonder if you could just, and it's, I know, a hard question to ask you to do, kind of put in a nutshell the storyline, just so our readers who aren't familiar with what the book's about will have will have an idea of the territory that you're delving into. Yeah, sure. So this is a love story that I thought was going to be a pretty ordinary one. Uh, when I was 22 and I met TC, and even when I was 27 and when we got married. Um, but three years after our wedding, um, he was assaulted as he was walking home from a baseball game in our neighborhood in Washington, D.C., and he nearly died. He sustained a massive um, brain injury. Um, and I was told that if he were to survive, that our lives would be drastically different, that he would probably not be able to talk or walk, um, and that he would be looking at trying to relearn all of those skills again, um, without the certainty that he would even be able to do so. And that was incredibly shocking for, for a couple who was still relatively young. He was 29. He hadn't even um, hit his 30th birthday at that point. So I feel like we, we have this marriage that um, we kind of anticipated was going to go on indefinitely and, and it's and its happiness and its kind of ordinariness. And then it went through this rapid transformation that um, few people experience and certainly few people experience kind of at that speed. Yeah. Well, the thing that's really fascinating to me about this story is not just how, I think largely because of your belief in him um, and his own perseverance, that he was able to fight his way back to um, being a productive member of society, regaining yeah. who he was, but also how you emerged as a writer through this process. Mm -hmm. um, 
I was just very struck with um, even on the way to the hospital that that first terrible ride, not knowing what you were facing, you immediately reached out to people through Facebook and asked for their prayers. And Mm -hmm. then, um, as it became difficult to describe his progress in the hospital, I think it was your sister, Bethany, who suggested that Mm -hmm. you do a blog. And um, you pounded out this very raw uh, passage and were at a graduate class that you had to attend and looked an hour later and found thousands and thousands of people had reacted. And that mm-hmm. was just so so compelling, the story. If you could tell a little about your own evolution as becoming a writer yeah. through that process. Sure. You know, we had a really content life before this injury. We, you know, we were newly married. We had um, a one, nearly two-year-old son. And I kind of felt like I had checked off all the boxes for what I needed to do. I wasn't really in that mental space of feeling like I needed to push myself further. And then, of course, everything shattered. And I was surprised by what I found in myself. Um, firstly, this desire just to survive, this kind of will to do whatever it took to make sure that our lives didn't crumble any further. Um, And so that was one piece. You know, everybody says, I don't know how you could be so strong. And my response is that we're all this strong. Um, We're just very rarely called, you know, to pull that out of ourselves. The writing piece was really unexpected. I love to write. I always did. But I definitely didn't identify as a writer. I kind of had the sense that um, whatever the job is that you get paid for, that's what you do. And that's how you identify yourself. And I was a school teacher. Um, so when I first wrote that blog, I, I was curious about what people were connecting to. And it seemed like it wasn't just the story about what had happened to TC. It was the emotional vulnerability I was willing to share at a time where I really had nothing to lose. It's, it's interesting for me to go back and look at those early blogs because they're so raw. And in, in a way, I feel very kind of embarrassed. I have this immediate kind of like cringing response to it. But I, I had nothing to lose at that moment. I needed the world to know who I was and who my husband was because I didn't know how much time we were going to have left together. Um, that blog is what became this book. And that was, again, just a very unexpected transition. But it required me to start asking some tough questions of myself. One was, what do I want to do with the days I have on this planet? You know, this was TC's injury for sure, but it totally transformed my brain. I had to rewire my own thinking about purpose and how I saw myself and my identity. And what I realized is that there's a lot of work for me to do on this planet during my days. And I better start acting with a sense of urgency. Um, And I didn't have that sense of urgency before. Well, what's also remarkable is the breathtaking honesty. I mean, you reveal things in a way that you don't make it icky for the reader to be there. You make it like you're bringing the reader along. Um, really personal things like trying sex for the first time after mm-hmm. after this happened or um, this really horrible time in your life where your mother who had depend you had depended so much on was facing a double or coming back from having a double mastectomy mm-hmm. and you're still carrying 
in her house for her and for your father, whom you can tell by the way you write you love deeply, but who's kind of a shell of himself, and caring for your mm-hmm. two-year-old son, Jack, and caring for your husband who's not really who he was and is in some ways a stranger mm-hmm. to you and you're you're looking at your mother's oxy pills and thinking of killing yourself which uh, you know mm-hmm. <laughs> not many people would have the courage to to write about that scene where how how were you able to do that I I don't know whether <laughs> you know I, I those are choices that I made because I knew that there is shame associated with this experience of being depressed. Um, there's shame associated with the experience of caregiving, especially when you're caregiving to a spouse and you are not allowed to say things aloud about how that person doesn't feel like an equal partner anymore because, you know, in some ways uh, people might interpret that as disloyal. Um, I just wanted to be rid of any kind of shame that people attach to these experiences because if I can be willing to say I own this experience and I don't live with any shame about what I've been through, then that opens the door for somebody else to do the same thing. Um, I certainly didn't ask for this situation, but I know that I'm not alone in having walked through some really dark days. And I think, you know, we, we talk about mental health in a way that, you know, we're sort of starting to approach some honesty about about loneliness and and just how isolating depression can feel. But until we kind of blow that door open and really, really just take the shame out of the experience, um, I I just, I worry that we won't be able to share freely what we've been through. And, And that's what connects us to other people. That's what connects us to other human beings. Yeah, well, I'm sure the book will be embraced by the community of people who have suffered, um, traumatic brain injuries, but it does so much more. Mm -hmm. There's so many touch points for anyone (laughs) that has been struggling Mm -hmm. um, with just defining what life is. One of the things that I loved about you, you divide the story into five parts and each part you start with a quote and they're, they're from so many Mm -hmm. different authors and from so many different places. And the one I'm going to read now is from Anne Frank because I, she was a journal keeper too, but not not mm-hmm. um, not the way you were, um, where people were responding to your blogs. You know, her journal wasn't found until after right. she was dead. But you quote from her: "Look how a single candle can both defy and define the darkness." And to me, that's what your book did. You know, and I, how did you come? How how did you come to select those opening um, thoughts? Ah. At, at, at each part yeah, of the book. Yeah, I love this question because I'm in love with those quotes, each of them. So some of those quotes came from texts that my husband loved that I hadn't had a curiosity about um, before he was assaulted. And then when I didn't have the luxury of having conversations with him anymore, I wanted to know him better in whatever ways I could. So I began reading all the books that I knew he had loved. So some of those quotes came from those books. And Frank's came from... Um, the experience of rereading her diary as an adult and just finding her to be this heroic person in the form of a child. Like it, it, it's just, she's an astounding person to me. And I was very lucky because two weeks ago I was in Amsterdam and got to walk through her home 
Um, and that experience meant so much to me because it, it just reminded me of the power of words. If Anne Frank hadn't kept a journal, we wouldn't know. We wouldn't know what that had been like for her and her family. And, uh, you know, so many families were in hiding during that time, just like the Franks were. But we know about them through her writing. So what a testament to what the power of the pen can do. And that quote particularly, that there's this dual edge to suffering, that, you know, that it allows us to see joy so clearly, but that it also just illuminates just how very dark the world can be. She was such a young genius. Um, The world is a better place because Anne Frank was in it. (laughs) Well, I think you're right on that. But I also think, and I was fascinated with your answer, because I know there's a passage in the book where you talk about when you're first dating your husband and you see his worn out Ikea bookshelf just filled, Mm -hmm. packed, filled with all these volumes. And he explains, you know, he was with preppies at Bucknell who had been so well read and he just dove in and took on the classics, not like part of a course, just out of this curiosity. So how mm-hmm. interesting that when he was less able to communicate with you, that you then reached for his books and, and found these words. That's, that's just, that's just really neat. Yeah. I was reaching for words in all ways. And I, you know, that's just an experience I've begun to reflect on a little bit more in, in that time where I had no one to communicate with. You know, I had a two year old, a two year old son who only spoke a little bit and a husband who only spoke very little. Um, and I just fell in love with books again in a way I hadn't experienced since I was a kid. And then, of course, that's when words started coming to me in the form of my own writing. So this kind of relationship with language that I developed over the course of this injury has been fascinating to me. Yeah, and I love there's one scene, it's when you rented the place on the beach and Jack is mm-hmm. learning his alphabet and your husband is relearning mm-hmm. and you're in the car singing something like Old MacDonald <laughs> at a farm. Yeah. They're both learning at yeah. the same time. So you, in these horrible situations, you put in these little vignettes of just joy, you know, it's... Um, just beauty, yeah. just beauty. Like, oh, just, we if when we pause and just look at how incredible life is in mm. in the suffering in the joy but just how tender those moments are um when we stop to notice them it just it blows my mind and i yeah it's it's kind of hard to believe we were living that experience of parenting a young kid at the same time that tc was just you know becoming an independent person again because they were really parallel experiences in many ways yeah and then you go through this painful discussion and decision-making process to have another child. Tell us, tell us about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, uh, three years after the injury, I I started to really be thinking seriously about whether it was possible for us to connect to that dream that we had had before the assault about growing our family. And it seemed like we were on a more sturdy footing and that it could be something possible But we also knew the risks involved. Um, And so we had a lot of heavy conversations about whether it would be responsible to to bring another child into this world. And, you know, ultimately what we came down to is that um, to to not do that, to, to stop our family out of fear, would not be aligned with the philosophy that we have about life, which is that we make decisions out of love. Because the things that we fear are, are generally out of our control. Um, we can't control how this injury is going to manifest over the next 10 or 20 years. What I do know now is that my husband is strong. 
he is uh, able to communicate. He goes to work every day. He's a fantastic father. Um, my kids are so lucky to have a role model in him. So to, to deprive anybody of that experience of getting to learn from somebody like TC, that just didn't make any sense at all. Well, thinking about the structure of the book, I was reading it electronically, so I didn't have it in my hand mm-hmm. to know there was more coming. And I thought, oh, this is the end scene. I- I'm wondering if it was even mm-hmm. true. It was so perfect. You had reunited with your family at the beach house where you always went and you had had lobster the night before and you had lost mm-hmm. your engagement ring. And yeah. um, it was a ring that your husband had made for you and... Um, you were just kind of going through the garbage, literally, <laughs> and kind of giving we're up on it. Like it wasn't, you understood that the marriage was not about the ring. It wasn't like when you were first getting yeah. engaged. And there it is. You found the ring and you have this, you know, ending profound thought about how, um, you know, the marriage is continuing. And I thought, oh, that's the end of the book. How lovely. <laughs> And then the book keeps going. So tell us about how, how you structured the book. Um, it isn't just a simple narrative. It, it's more complex than that. Oh, yeah. I've kind of lost you down in the basement there. Are you, oh. are you can you okay. still hear me? Is this any better? You know yes, what? yes, this is good. You're clear now. Okay. And this will be the last okay, question because right. I know you have a book tour to come No, no, no. On. This is great. This is great. Um, so the structure of the book was a hard decision to make. And what I realized is that it's very rare when real life mirrors a perfect narrative arc. Yeah. Um, so I had to sit for a while and think about how journey had fed me, you know, the particular kind of wisdom that I wanted to share in this book. And what it meant is that I just needed to live my life for a while. Um, and so I, I had to go through my own kind of individual healing process to figure that out. And so the last part of the book is my favorite part uh, because it's set in such a beautiful scene. And I, I, won't, I won't give too much away. But I think that's where readers get a sense of, of what it means to heal from the inside out on your own. Wonderful. We will leave you with that thought and wish you the best on your book tour. And thank you so much.